Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show in Brownsburgian, and really better known, I think, in all circles, and especially on this show, as Layla's dad, Mike Wells, joining us now of ESPN Radio. Hello, Mike. How are you? What's up, fellas? And I will say this over, well, actually, two things. Uh, we went with some Michael Jackson on the reentry, uh, which is not normal for, for our Friday um uh, four o'clock slot. Yeah, and I, I forgot. I, I kind of forgot. That's on me. My bad. And then, <laughs> and then Hagen has the best job television-wise in this market. He is the only. He's, he is the only main sports guy who does not work on a Friday. He yeah. spends his Fridays hanging out with you, drinking adult beverages, breaking yeah. his neck, looking at the scenery while. You know the Cal the Calhouns and the Calabros who and uh, and, who? and the Whitlicks and I don't know who the hell I don't know who who's running um, RTV six Brad Brown they're out there working yeah on he's a he's a one man gang stuff. over there I think yeah he hey. may be the only employee they have I know it well it's come talk to me when I'm working thirteen hours on Sunday I work Sunday through Thursday we have a thirty minute show Sunday morning and a thirty minute show Sunday night so a man's entitled to his back-to-back two off days, and mine just happened to be Friday and Saturday. Hey, Jay, Jay, check Yo. this out, though, bro. You know I'm about to mess with Hagen, right? I, I know um, the guy who oversees the station where Chris Whitlick used to work at, he works Fridays, and they had their <laughs> pregame show on Sunday and their postgame show on Sunday and a show on Sunday night. Yeah, but we have viewers that actually watch those shows, so we have to make sure they're good. Well, let me tell you this. This is why I'm on every Sunday night with Hagen, because that's how you're going to know that they're going to get their ass whipped. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I come on there, and I'm like the hammer. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm like the Jose Batista seven years ago. <laughs> Game-winning home run bat flip. That's me every Saturday, every Sunday night with Hagen right there. And I, 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 lo- I love it because I love it. it's like you're you're in your living room hanging out, and um, you know you don't have to drive over off to West West Seventy First Street. You right. can be down on the south side and do it. And that, see, that's got to be. There, a there's proof right there. There's proof right there. What show Wells is watching? JMV. He's just sit there and describe what oh, he yeah, sees. He knows. So, I know what he's watching. He's not. Listen, I know what he's going to. He's going to watch us. I am jealous of Wells, though, today, because Wells has himself a brand-new Bucky's T-shirt that he was sporting today. Yes. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to um, the, the, the famous person in my household, Miss Layla. She went down to Kentucky on a, uh, a glamping trip, staying in a nice cabin all week for fall break with her friend from Roncalli, the Kramers, the one, the tall girl that uh, you asked about, Jay, they, uh-huh. uh, they took her down there and they stopped at Bucky's and got me a shirt and brought back. And that is my new favorite shirt that I'll be wearing. So props nice. To, props to Miss Layla. And once again, the South Side coming through for me, man. You, you Nothing folks wrong on the with South it. Side know how to take care of me. You folks on the Nothing. South Side know how to take care of me, Jay. Well, I mean, here's what else they're probably going to do. They're probably going to talk uh, because they, they, they talk to me. They're going to talk. Try to talk to us to get our daughters to go over to Ron Colley. That's coming. Woo! I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
That's coming. Uh, I'm telling you. Tell Laney to go ahead and go to Ron Colley because, I mean, we, we, who knows what's going to happen at Center Grove when, when uh, the guys get to high school, man. I mean, I mean, based off conversations you and I have had about how things are rolling, we need, we need Laney to make sure there's not going to be any daddy ball getting in the way, man. Well, yeah, that's a good thing. You're going to get to the point where there's no more daddy ball involved, which is going to be – we're going to be, de- I guess, going to be decent. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I hear about that all the time. So, I'm just, I'm just um, probably thinking you hear the same thing. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. away from that for a moment, you covered the Colts for such a long time, and now you get to, you know, occasionally talk about them when you're on ESPN radio as well, doing the national thing. Did you ever think when you first started covering the Colts, that they were going to be that team that others kind of lined up in the crosshairs to beat the crap out of within the division? Uh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Re- repeat that out loud for a second. What did you say, brother? Um, it, it feels like now, you know, the way that everybody around here felt about Jacksonville, felt, you know, in the past about Tennessee and certainly still feel about Houston, it seems like the Colts have now become that. They're the team that others in the division say, hey, we're going to go up there and beat the crap out of them. We're going to bring them in here and beat the crap out of them. They've kind of become that team. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I'm, I don't think um, Doug Peterson and the Jaguars are going to come in and say, oh, my God, we're playing the Colts this weekend. Uh, we have no chance to win. Jacksonville has two straight over the Colts. They shut them out a couple weeks ago. They knocked them out of the playoffs in week 18 last year. They feel like they are the better team of the two in this division. We've seen what the, the Tennessee Titans have had the number, which who, who the Colts are going to play the following weekend. I mean, you know, the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans, but they did get a tie on them. But nobody, no, nobody in the division fears the Indianapolis Colts anymore. In fact, it's, I think it's been a number of years since anybody has feared the Colts in the AFC South. I think after, after 2018, 18 people probably said, okay, the Colts are back to being where they're at before because Andrew Luck will be back again and they can take over the AFC South uh, once more after um, – Bill O'Brien and the Texans doing it, but now they're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? The Colts are just a team in the division, not the team, a team in the AFC South. And they're only, they're the only team in the division this year that doesn't have a division win. Oh, two and one. I mean, the Texans go down there and handle business at Jacksonville, something the Colts couldn't do. And as we talked about before, everybody has won that AFC South division. Uh, except the Colts since 2014. So definitely and the days are gone where you just line up and say, okay, they're going to go 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh in the division, and that's your head start to the playoffs. It's other teams thinking, hey, this is a team. We're, we can go sweep this team. We can go sweep the Colts and get on the right foot. So, yeah, that's, that's why so much is at stake this Sunday, trying to uh, – if you drop this one and then go lose at Tennessee and you, you're sitting there, what, 0-4-1 and one in the division, yeah, I mean, you can hang it up. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I'm willing to bet anybody, anybody $1,000 that they didn't believe through the first five weeks of the season that they thought the Colts' two victories were going to be against the AFC West, the best, of, you know, supposedly <laughs> the best division in the NFL. Nobody, they figured, okay, there would be, three, man, you know, probably three and two going in because they're playing the AFC South. Things are supposed to be back rolling again. They're finally in that losing streak down to Jacksonville. Get those three wins. Okay, then you lose to Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, and you're still sitting in a great spot because you have the 3-0 in the division. Instead, like Hagan just alluded to, only team in the division that has that is yet to have a win, and they their two victories 
on the season are against a, a division that has been highly overrated and beating, yeah, beating Patrick Mahomes and the uh, Denver Broncos. If I lined it up and said, hey, okay, after five weeks, the Colts will be 2-2-1, two, two and one. you figure out which teams they beat, lost to, and tied, nobody would be anywhere close to figuring out, out that puzzle, even if you told them the record was 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Oh, hell no, ain't nobody figuring that one out. No. That, 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 I mean, listen, like I said, I'd give somebody $1,000 if they said that their two victories are going to be against Denver and Kansas City. We know that was not the case. I, I said this earlier this week, Mike, that if you went back to July – and if I were to tell you then, this is how this offense is going to play. This is how this offensive line is going to look. This is how, for the most part, your quarterback is going to look. If I were to tell everybody that, people would suggest that you're probably an over or maybe luckily a one-win team on the season. And then if I were to say, all right, can you bet or guess which two games that you won, nobody would have said back in July, Kansas City or Denver. No, uh, no. Uh, they, they definitely would not have said that. Listen. I think nobody would have guessed that this offensive line would have been as bad as it's been. And listen, I think we can all agree it's been like that in all five spots. Nobody, nobody would assume that Quentin Nelson would not be as dominant as he was in years past. I mean, I know there's some people who, who like to talk in the air and say, oh, yeah, they saw this coming, blah, 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 and things like that. Nobody thought that Quentin Nelson would be – struggling at times the way he has. Nobody would have thought that the question, the question during a Wednesday press conference with Frank Wright about if Ryan Kelly is going to lose his starting job, the guy they gave a contract extension to several years ago, the guy who's been a Pro Bowl center, would, you know, would have his starting job in jeopardy, whether they would move Brayton Smith, their starting right tackle, back to right guard where he started his career, and now looking like he will move back to right tackle this weekend against the Jaguar, Jaguar, excuse me, Jacksonville Jaguars, nobody would have guessed these problems. I think we, I think the focus strictly would have been on, okay, the wide receiver position, and you know, is Matt Ryan that guy? Can he do enough to carry him? But instead, the questions are just the questions are flowing nonstop, which is great for radio for your show, Jay. But I don't think, for, as you're a Colts fan, there's no way in hell you thought this was going to be the case. What's crazy as well is, I mean. They're fortunate. I know it's a it's a razor, you know, fine line between winning and losing this league, and the Colts are two two and one. They could easily be sitting here zero and five. When you think about the Chris Jones uh, unsportsmanlike penalty, uh, Russell Wilson throws a pick in the end zone when they're going in to put that thing away, and then the Texans, you know, turning the ball over when they had led by seventeen. Uh, fortunate to be where you are, and despite all the problems they've had and all the injuries. Everything is still out there for them. If they, if they can handle the, their business the next two weeks, they'll be alone in first place, and all is forgiven. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, and you guys might disagree with me on this. Um, as flawed as the Colts are right now, as many problems as they have, they are going to win the AFC South still. They oh, okay. It, they, are, they are going to win the division still because – the AFC South is flawed. It's not like the Colts are going to are truly the most dominant team in the division, despite having you know two losses and a tie in it. They're going to win the division because the division is very, very flawed. So they will get it by default, and they will find a way to get to the playoffs. I didn't say how many wins they were going to have this season, but they will win the division. 
Here's, here's the problem. Mike Wells joins us of ESPN Radio every Friday, along with Chris Hagan, me, I'm JMV, Average Joe's, and Broad Ripple on a Bud Light Blue Friday. The problem I have is it's not even so much about the personnel, is that Tennessee is going to win this thing until Tennessee no longer can because they're just simply tougher, and they grind it out no matter the situation better than anybody else. And neither the Jaguars and certainly the Colts in this case have ever shown they're capable of doing that and winning that way. So I will always believe in Tennessee here in the short term until they give me a reason not to. Because to me, that's something that I think Jim Irsay is pretty jealous about or smitten about with Tennessee and Mike Vrabel and how they're run. Because they seemingly get past and still win regardless of the injury circumstances or anything else. They're just tougher than everybody else. That's a good, that, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I think they're running goals. And I've been adamant on your show that I think Mike Vrabel is the most underrated head coach in the NFL because his team has taken on his personality as far as you know, we're, we're, we're going to – we may be ugly, but we found a way to get the job done. And that's kind of how Mike Vrabel's NFL career was, is that he was, he didn't care about flash. But I just think – I think the run ends in that situation. You made a great point. You made a, you, you mentioned Jim Irsay, you know, is very jealous of that. He should be jealous of that. I yeah. mean, that's, that's like – that's like all the Hagen's ex-girlfriends looking at him and seeing him on Star on television. They're like, man, I, 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 wish, I wish I had that right there. I wish I had – that 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 four foot that four foot one little ginger right there. That's what that's what Jim Irsay is to the Tennessee Titans. They is Hagan's ex girlfriend's looking at him being a TV star. That might be the best sports analogy ever, Wells, in the history of radio. <laughs> are there girls you went to high school with that are jealous because of your fame and fortune? Oh, I'm sure there are many. Yeah. There's several, several. What's funny is people I went to high school with don't even know that I'm on television because they're all what are they all back doing? in what Birmingham do they do down there. Tell you what, them, those Southern girls, they age gracefully. I mean, had the high school reunion, and I was like, wow, it's yeah. uh, its crazy. Man, okay. well, they live in, they're in the backwoods of Alabama where they don't have, they don't have television reception. They don't have cable. Yeah, it's, that's right, Wells. Yeah, I, I just, I think, you know, part of the reason why the Jim Irsay has been so outspoken regarding this is what we have to do, this is who we have to catch in Tennessee is because he, he is jealous. He is smitten. Because his team is supposed to resemble that. That's how they're supposed to be able to win, too. It's not all about the skill positions, right? It's not all about all this. It's about being able to grind it out, you know, play with your your foundation, your offensive line, run the football, all of which has gone absolutely haywire this season. And by the way, Mike, if this offensive line doesn't improve just to be decent, this team has zero chance. It has been a joke how bad they have been so far this year, man. And I don't want, I can't say they, they were as bad as the Ryan Grixon errors when, when, when Andrew Luck was getting his head beat in on a regular basis, but they are, they are trying to teeter to that. They are trying to teeter to that. And again, that's three and with three guys who you gave contract extensions to, who you felt like was going to be long-term solutions up front because, you know, you want to be able to win in the trenches, on the defensive line and the offensive line, and you, you, you mentioned the whole Jim Irsay, you know, believing that, okay, you, you, you can win no matter what kind of way. Think about this. That's what Chris Ballard said he wanted to build his roster around, not just around the quarterback, that you didn't want to put it on just one position. You wanted to be able to win in a number of different ways, if it meant winning ugly, winning off the ground, winning through the air, winning off turnovers. 
you did not put everything on the right arm or the left arm of whoever your starting quarterback is. And that approach currently is not working for the Indianapolis Colts. It's you always talk about, you know, in sports, maybe they can flip a switch. Maybe they can do this. It's the same guys. It's on paper. It's this and that. What's one critical thing that maybe even small, but one thing that could change. And as you said, uh, send this team to the uh, division title. What's the key one thing to change? It's, it's what it's what Jay just alluded to. You got to fix offensive line because the offensive line. You fix offensive line, the dominoes will start to fall in place. And by fixing it, you stop trying to change it up and stop playing. You know, trying to play matchmaker every single week, trying to see what combination is going to work. I never thought. Frank Wright would be in a position of say, saying, okay, we have to we have to tinker with this, we have to tinker with that, we have to find the right combinations. When he got hired in 2018, that's when the O-line started to take off and, and, and develop. You thought the foundation was there, and now the Colts are heading into week six, and they could have a different starting offensive line. You get that offensive line right, that, that should help Jonathan Taylor. That should help Matt Ryan in his, you know, having the, the fumble on the ball, you know, fumbling the ball and throwing it and getting sacked so many times, that right there, if that gets fixed, the Colts are going to take off. So let me let me ask you guys this. Do you think the O-line is capable of getting fixed or is the damage done for this unit up front? I, I think it's – I mean, it's not like these guys just fall off overnight. I think it's there. I don't know if it's – you know, if it's mental, if it's a confidence thing, if it's a chemistry thing, as you said, musical chairs and moving guys around. But as you, as we've heard before, one weak link on the line can ruin the whole thing. It's not like, wow, all you know, four or five guys really blew that play up. It can be one guy, and so I think that's why they do have the Rubik's cube. They're out there trying to to spin it and get the get it set right where all the colors are on the right side. So I, I think it is fixable. I think they can get it going. But as you alluded to earlier, when when Frank Reich shows up, and then after a draft or two, they were sitting there with a number one pick at center, a first round pick at center, Ryan Kelly, a first round pick, Quentin Nelson, first round pick, Anthony Costanzo, and you had an overall number one pick at quarterback in Andrew Luck. So the the de- the deck was stacked for greatness and to go forward. And then Luck retires, Costanzo retires maybe a little bit sooner than they thought he would. And then, and since then, you know, that's when you're trying to, to fill those holes. Hey, Mike, can I tell you something? You brought up, you know, an old school Gregson offensive line. And, you know, again, I don't want to rehash all this Gregson crap. But when I look at, hey, try, I think hey, the try, first. Me, yeah. Enough people do that already, man. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. People get worn out on that. So I will tell you this, that you look at that offensive line. I think it was in year number one. I can't remember who played left guard, but you had Samson Satelli was the center. Mike McGlynn was the right guard. Winston Justice was the right tackle. And then Anthony Costanzo was the left tackle. I think just because you had such a solid component at left tackle, I would take that offensive line, even with Luck running for his life right now, over the one that we have seen through the first five weeks of the season. Because these guys look like that, at least a couple of them, got paid and then regressed. 
And then you have a solidified left tackle in Costanzo at that moment, which you don't have right now. You hope that Ryman is going to be that. But let's just face it. He's going to have more times this season when he's the starter at left tackle, looking like what he did early in that game over a week ago in Denver. So just because you have a solidified left tackle, which is one of the essentials in the NFL to be good, I would look back at that line at almost being better or something I would want more than the one that you see right now that has gone simply in the first five weeks, Mike Haywire. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Jay, I, I, just, I just broke out hives, man. I just, I'm, I'm, cr- I'm cringing even think, thinking about that. But you, you also, you, you, made, you made an excellent point because question, question of the left tackle, Eric Fisher was not good last season. He was a weak link on the offensive line, and – I know He's better than what you have right now, too. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, and, that, and that's, hey, that is scary as hell. That is scary as hell because there was so many times that that um, that Eric Fisher looked so lost out there last season. He just looked like yeah. an old man playing, in, you know, trying to play in quicksand. That is, that is very scary. And think about this. Okay, you, you find you have your new starting left tackle going forward. Unless a young man screws it up, he'll be there. So he's going to learn on the fly. You're learning on the fly while playing catch up in the rest, playing catch up to the rest of the division. I, I even look like, at it. Hey, yeah. listen, hey, hey Hagen, Hagen, that, yeah. that right there is a mixture. That's a bad combination. That's a combination of if you had to put Jay and mix him in with somebody else uh, in, in his worst enemy and thinking that's going to work. <laughs> I wonder who that would be. I can just tell you this, Mike, that even last week when they rearranged the the deck chairs on the proverbial Titanic of that offensive line, that didn't work either. And then you're thinking about why did you even put Matthew Pryor at right tackle? And since then they've talked about wanting to run it better or creating running lanes, which I guess – you know, they did because, you know, both Lindsey and Jackson did run the ball uh, better than decently on Thursday night. But I can equally make the argument that maybe Denver didn't give a crap because 28 wasn't out there. So why are you going to concentrate on that position when the best at that position isn't out there? So I, I just even doing that and, and not putting prior at right guard, which is, I think, where he's going to start coming up on Sunday and putting him at right tackle. And then to start the season, if you're Chris Ballard, believing that he was going to be able to be your starting left tackle is still ridiculous. Absolutely is. Man, it, it really is. Um, it's the whole, the whole trying to think, I mean, my receiver, offensive line, those are two, two things that Chris Ballard has been very reluctant to address, I mean, we all know we all know the quarterback situation. We know what's going on at, at, at you know the whole roulette at quarterback. But two two very important positions that Ballard has tinkered with and decided not to fully fully address is biting them in the rear end. Yeah. Well, and I, I say this, Mike. You know, this is this is essentially Chris's baby. This offensive line. This is how. This is my philosophy. This is my blueprint. This is how. You know, it's going to be built, and this is how we'll thrive. This is how we'll win. This is how we're going to get those results that Jim Bursay is looking for. 
and you know it's it's not working and, and to a degree you look at the defensive line which has had its struggles you know at least you got DeForest Buckner with a couple of sacks and Gakwe got one last week in Denver and I will because we've been ripping a lot I will give credit where credit is due Stefan Gilmore brought in here to be a playmaker and you can say what you want about how awful Denver was offensively he stepped up and basically won a game for the Colts that's exactly the reason why you bring him in here that's why they did and that paid off a week ago Thursday night yeah um that and then listen I think Quiddy Pace co- I mean I know he, he's hurt now but I feel like I feel like he's coming in his own too I think I feel like Quiddy's coming up and making things and I, I was one who questioned the um Stephon Gilmore thing like did he have did he have anything left after winning defensive play of the year in 2019 and he played he has played now he did not play his ass off he has played his ass off the entire season and so well, he, he has done it in, mul- in multiple games. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump you there, Wellesie. Um, so given all that and we just, you know, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Based on what you say, can I take it you think the Colts are going to win this game Sunday? Yeah, I got to win it. I got, I got the Colts winning on Sunday. I, I, think, I think they win. And but listen, I, I said they were going to win the division. So in order to win the division, they got to find a way to get a win in the division. And I, I think that happens um, this weekend. I know Trevor Lawrence has, has kind of, you know, semi-balled out the last two games against the Colts. Both those games were in Jacksonville. I think it'll be different this weekend. I, I think they, I think they pull it off. You got, hey, are we three and zero this weekend, or we got some people that are a little hesitant? No, to no, I, I had to, edge. I had to do my picking. I had to do my picking yesterday. Um, I, I just, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of have tos, right? And when I talk about this team, and I, I described. You know, weeks one and weeks two, and really every week is a have to. But you put yourself in a two-two and one position, and especially oh-two and one within the own division, where it's a have to. I mean, it's a have to one Sunday. It's a have to a week from Sunday. You know, down in Nashville, and if you don't, I mean, you very well could bury yourself here before Halloween. So I, and I would also look at it. These guys have to be reading, hearing, watching. You know, knowing what's being said about them. At some point, everybody expects them to get up off the mat, you know, and, and play well because they always get off the slow starts. Uh, it's, it's going to test that because this, this group really hasn't shown that to any level so far. And going through what they've gone through against Jacksonville, I, I think it will be embarrassing if they come out there and start that game off as we have seen them usually doing this season. It'll be embarrassing if they lose that game to Jacksonville on Sunday, regardless of what happened back in week two. That's how big of a must this is coming and they're up gonna, on Sunday. They're going to have that crowd to start the game. Yeah. You don't want to lose that crowd. You don't, don't want to go down 10 nothing and then that thing turns on you. But, yeah, Wells, oh, I got yeah. them winning, too. Uh, I, I got the Colts winning ugly. I got them winning uh, like 19 to 16, something goofy like that. Man, listen, I, I, I knew we were three smart guys. Of course, if they lose, <laughs> everybody's going everybody's gonna to call us a bunch of a-holes at about 4.30. Yeah, they, they call me that anyway. That happens anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> hey, tell the awesome Layla I said hello. Enjoy the Brownsburg game. I'm sure you're going to watch later on tonight, and uh, we'll talk at you again next Friday. All right, fellas, y'all be good. Talk to y'all later. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Mike Wells of every Friday on this show. Voice of the Hoosiers with another big one coming up tomorrow against Maryland in the crosshairs. Our friend Don Fisher joins us. Hello, Don. How are you? Hey, John. How you doing? You going out to a little football action tonight again? 
No, tonight um, I'm actually uh, almost to Bloomington as we speak because tonight is a uh, special event. Oh, I bet it is. When Don when Don Fisher has a Friday night alone in Bloomington, it's a special event. No question about that. I know what you're doing tonight over there. Yes. You do? <laughs> no, I don't. But uh, I just figure. <laughs> I know Don, what I would do Don. in Bloomington on a night alone. I don't know. I'm assuming maybe you have a, a, a similar train of thought. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not alone. I'll be with my oh. wife and family as we... Uh, celebrate a little hof tonight hall of fame john oh, that's it that's awesome what i mean I, I talked this up before and you're you're cool and you, you really wanted me to you told me not to talk about it anymore that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty damn big deal it, it was weird because if i memory serves i thought you were already in it <laughs> And to be honest with you, I wondered, how are you not already in that bad Don's one? Don's been there so long, this is the third time they're putting him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I know it. <laughs> oh, no, man. It is tonight. The banquet is tonight. So uh, this will be the last we have to talk about it. And we don't have to talk about it anymore in this show either. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome, though, seriously. And this this comes from somebody that, you know, since birth, basically, since birth has listened to you and still does because you know how I feel, you know, about radio, other uh, other aspects out there. I have a, a firm and deeply rooted love for it. And um, we could not be happier for you, buddy, honestly. I mean, it is a long time coming and um, that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. I appreciate it, John. Thank you much. Uh, thank you guys both. I really appreciate your thoughts. All right, so when you when you celebrate, right, and they peel you off the floor coming up later on tonight, what do you think about this matchup with Maryland for the Hoosiers tomorrow, that game you're going to be calling? What what piques your interest well, I, at the beginning, the change in the offensive line, Coach? Is that where we start? There, There is no question. That's exactly where we start, John, because uh, it was obviously last week, uh, the second half was just a disaster in regard yeah. to the offensive line. Um, they, they played pretty well in the first half, but it was primarily because the, the very quick and tempo passing game that Indiana was employing kind of wore Michigan out in the first half a little bit. And Indiana was able, and, and, and they didn't, they weren't ready for it. I don't think, I think Agreed. they thought that they could Agreed. sleepwalk through that. And Indiana was able to take advantage of it. And scores tied 10 10 at halftime. The defense did a nice job. Uh, so it was really a good performance by Indiana, but. The second half was a totally different story from an offensive standpoint because from that point on, whatever adjustments Michigan made, they were the right ones because Indiana couldn't do a thing with their offense in the second half. And the offensive line literally was a sieve. I mean, it, it, it looked like a sieve the entire second half. And uh, without doubt, Tom Allen had to make a move. I, I'm, I, you know, I feel bad for Darren Hiller. I mean, he's a good man. Everybody knows that that Tom and he are close and their families are close. And I understand uh, the negativity of it all, but at the same time, you can see that there's a problem and you've got to somehow try to fix it, whether it's uh, changing of the guard at the, in the offensive line coaching position or whatever. And I don't know that anything else could be done at this point. You've got to do something to change the voice of the coach and maybe the, the, the change to Rod Carey will be a big factor, and maybe it won't be any factor at all because there's no springtime game or no summer to, to work on things. 
uh, you're basically trying to change things in the middle of a season, which is really, really hard to do. So I, I feel for, for, first of all, I feel for coach, for the new coach, because obviously that's a, cha- that's going to be a difficult challenge. Rod Carey's a tremendous coach. I, I really like him. I, I've known him since he was a three-year starter at center for IU. And uh, this guy is just a special man on top of that. And I don't think he wanted this job at all. Uh, I think he took the quality control job so that he didn't have time to be with his family and a son that's playing some football at the Garen. And um, that he, he took this only because his wife and his family signed off on it. So um, I, this is probably just a one-year thing, and or, or at least until the season's over. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I do know this. I talked to a, a player on the team last night. He's a scout player. He's not a starter or anything like that. But this young man, I said, could you see a difference this week in the way the offensive line is being uh, coached and, and how they're going about things? And he said, there is no question I've seen a difference. So that tells me something. And, and Fish, we're at that part of the season now. We, You know, three losses in a row. Um, you, you still got some of the heavy hitters in college football down the road. And, and you start, you know, I know – Players and coaches take it one game at a time, but we in the media, we like to look big picture. And you, you think about how important it is to get to that six wins and, and get back to, to a bowl game after the disappointment last season. And, and these, these next two weeks are games, you know, you, you want to really try to get because it's going to be some tough ones down the road after that. Well, there's no question, um, Chris. I think, I think the big thing for this game tomorrow is can Indiana make some things happen offensively and – have the have the discipline defensively that it's going to take because Talia Tungavaloa is just having a tremendous year. He's third in the country in pass efficiency as far as percentage of completions is concerned. Um, he's in the top 10 or 15 in almost every passing category in the country right now, and he is playing terrific. And he was he was really good last year too. So if Indiana's defense can step up and start playing a little bit better, especially in that defensive backfield, they have had some problems this year at times. Uh, that's going to be crucially important. But I do think Indiana's capable of winning this ball game. I, I know Maryland's really good, and they've really improved in a lot of areas. But I still think this is a winnable football game if Indiana plays to their capabilities and finally gets something done in the offensive line that allows the quarterback to do his job. Uh, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU and Maryland coming up in Bloomington tomorrow. You, you mentioned this, and you're absolutely right. It, it looked like Michigan wasn't really ready for that tempo offense we saw from from IU in the first half. Will we see more of that with, with the way the direction is going to go with Rod Carey now and this offensive line in mind? I, how do you think they're going to handle this offensively against Maryland tomorrow? It's hard for me to know that, John. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I think Rod probably would have some influence with Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator, and what he thinks this Indiana football team can do. And so we'll see if there are going to be changes made in in how they scheme it and how they go about, um, you know, playing that Temple offense. If they can still do it, or if they do it as much, or maybe slow it down a little bit to. to you know, more than anything, you just can't have one, two, three, and out, one, two, three, and out, and the defense yeah. stays on the football field for, you know, a half of football, which is basically what happened in the second half of this ball game this past week. So I, I do think that, that there'll be some changes made. I just don't know what they're going to be. 
But I have, I have the utmost confidence if anything can be done with this offensive line that Rod Carey is the man to do it. And, and Fish, uh, not that you work at the ticket office, so I'll do it myself here. Uh, a 3.30 start, great weather. It's football-type weather. I don't see any reason that a, a IU fan shouldn't be in there tomorrow and, and be loud and proud and, and, like you said, go out there and beat a good team, but a game you feel like the Hoosiers have a chance. Well, I do think they've got a chance. I think a lot of the fans know that they do as well, and they know how important this game is to the rest of the season. And obviously, if Indiana could win it, then they're just two away from getting a bowl. And that, of course, gives you motivation, gives the players more confidence. Uh, but they've got to win a football game here in the next two weeks for sure, and hopefully it's two because that would make things even easier for the team as far as a, a possible bowl bid is concerned. Some of these injury situations that we saw, certainly as of last week, um, starting with Cam Jones, for example, how's that look, especially on the defensive side of the football going into tomorrow, Don? Well, it doesn't look look good, John. I mean, Cam Jones is going to be out for, I don't know how long. Uh, They have indicated that it's going to be some time. So that might mean two or three or maybe four, maybe even five more weeks. I mean, he may not Hmm. see... You know, it might be the last couple of ball games of the year that we see him. Uh, it's obviously a significant foot injury of some kind. Uh, so my, my, my thought here is Cam's not going to be available. I do like what I saw from Bradley Jennings last week. Aaron Casey has been a really solid performer this year at the linebacker post. Jared Casey, another uh, recruit or transfer portal guy from Kentucky, who has been out the last couple of weeks, is now available again. So I'm excited about him being back. Um, and, and I do think the linebacking core uh, has done a pretty good job despite Cam's uh, injury situation and not being available. I think the, the big key tomorrow, or hopefully one of the keys tomorrow, is getting back a couple of these wide receivers. And I think DJ, DJ Matthews is a guy that might be back tomorrow. Uh, likewise, Javon Swinton. So those two guys could be back. Cam Campers had another week to get uh, you know back to 100%, uh, even though he played some last week, but he was not as effective as he's been in the past. So I, I think that's going to help this football team if, in fact, Matthews is ready to go and uh, Swinton as well. Um, hey, Don, in closing here, do you um, have a, a true gauge because of the offensive line and, and what he has had to endure on the type of season that Connor Bazelak has had to this point? I do know this. Uh, he is one tough dude. <laughs> and yeah. I say that because he has taken every hit, uh, every sack, gotten back up, and gone out there and just done his thing again. And, you know, I'm sure that in some respects uh, he's been really sore after the last few football games. I know he was after the Nebraska game. Uh, I know he was after the Michigan game, certainly. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how he holds up, but I think he's a big, strong kid. Uh, He's a tough guy. There's no question about that. And his calmness and, and his ability to not say negative things under these circumstances is pretty impressive, in my opinion. Um, as you mentioned, it would be tough, very tough, not being pissy under these circumstances. I completely agree with that. And I, I guess to a certain degree, um, we're kind of getting that with the NFL team up here as well. It'd be yeah, tough, I think, at some times not to be pissy under those circumstances. So, no doubt. <laughs> I, I think you've termed it correctly, sir. 
<laughs> yes. Hey, congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Have a great night with the fam down in Bloomington, and uh, we'll catch you 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, pregame show, right? 2.30? Yep, 2.30 pregame, 3.30 kick time. Uh, it's going to be a fun day, I think, and it's going to be a, a special day if Indiana can win the football game because it's hugely important. All right. I want you back back in the hotel room by 4 a.m., okay, Don? Make sure. <laughs> you know, I do. I will have time in the morning to sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I know exactly what you mean. Don't fall into that trap. <laughs> Buddy, I appreciate right, you. We're happy. happy for you. Congrats, Don. Thanks, Don. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, incredibly deserving of that honor. No you know what? They got to win one for the Fisher. You do got to win Get out one there and win the one for the Fisher. At Average Joe's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline each and every Friday. Brought to you by our friends Joe Childers and the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. To find the one nearest you, CarX.com today. Indiana Sports Talk host and more. Bob Lovell is with us. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, John, I'm great. How are you? Let's just get deeply into what is a mammoth game <laughs> with Cathedral and Center Grove later on tonight. Holy crap. I can't even imagine. That's at CG, right? How many people are going to try to squeeze in to that <laughs> mammoth facility later on tonight, Bob? Uh, uh, thousands, I think, is the easy, the easy answer. Uh, and as you well know, uh, if you haven't already left to get to that game, <laughs> you need to do it right now because that's how many people are going to be there. It's going to be huge. Uh, Brownsburg at Hamilton Southeastern. How about this? You know, week number nine, you have these two games. Brownsburg number one, HSC number yeah. four, Center Grove number two, Cathedral number three. So you, you got the top four teams in 6A playing amongst one another today. That's incredible. No, I mean, I mean you're right about that, too, because – it's almost like you could not have set that up schedule maker wise no, no. any better, especially for you tonight to get a chance to talk about the before <laughs> and after with everybody. That's going to be spectacular. Well, I think it is, and it's one of the you know cool things about being able to do the show is that sometimes you get that that perfect storm, so to speak, and you get great games like that. And um, Ben Davis North Central, if Ben Davis wins, they win the Mick. So. You know, there's so much going on tonight, John, around the state. Not just central Indiana, but all over the state. Uh, another great game, Ron Colley is at East Central. East Central is number three in 4A. Ron Colley, yep. number two. So you're talking about top-ranked teams all over the board tonight playing one another. Well, and Ron Colley got tip, uh, tripped up by Cincinnati Elder last week. Right. Right. And and this I mean, this is one I mean, you can forget about put that thing in the rear view with Elder. But this is an East Central team that more than likely you could end up seeing here once you get into the one and done atmosphere in a couple of weeks. They're a team very capable of playing for a championship in 4A. There, there's no question. And uh, again, I think it just addresses how much balance you have around the state. And why, if you're not getting ready to go to a game, you're making a big mistake because this is going to be a huge night of high school football around our state. So, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X 
locations. I do want to double back to Center Grove and Cathedral, if you will. I mean, Cathedral has one loss on their schedule. I think that was earlier this year uh, in Brownsburg. I think uh, CG's lost once. That was to Louisville Trinity early in the season. There's a lot of talent on that football field down in CG coming up later on tonight. How do you size up the matchup, Bob? I think it's uh, really a toss-up, John. I think, you know, we, Center Grove clearly has uh, has dominated uh, in these last two or three years in 6A. Cathedral with Danny O'Neill, their quarterback, can put up points in a hurry. Uh, I think both teams are solid defensively. They have playmakers on both sides. I just think it's one of those – this is a champion – to be honest, this is a state championship level game. I mean, let's let's be truthful about it. And these are two teams that are capable of playing for a championship. And so, uh, you want a kind of a, uh, a preview of what the tournament might be about? I, I just think it's one of those games where, like most championship type games, you can't make mistakes. Uh, these are teams that are prone not to make mistakes. And I just think that big plays are are a key in this type of game. And so. Uh, you know, Center Grove's offense is capable, very capable of running clock. They're both strong, as I mentioned, defensively. Not sure that there's an edge for either team, to be honest. To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I, I want to talk about three teams, in fact, if you don't mind, and then you can size up the matchups as well. Um, Whiteland's a one-loss team. I mean, Mooresville came into the season with a lot of hype. They're a two-loss team. And then also size up Franklin. I mean, all in that general vicinity. And, you know, everything could be crashing together relatively soon for these three teams. Well, I think it, I think it already is, to be honest, John. I think one of the things, you know, in an overview type of sense is that it addresses how good the Mid-State Conference really is. I mean, I, I grew up in it, played in it. Um, this is a year where they've had one of the best years uh, in, in quite a while. Uh, as you mentioned, you're talking about teams that are that are all ranked. Uh, you know, Mooresville number seven, uh, Martinsville number ten. Plainfield has been ranked. Franklin is ranked, I think, eighth in five A. Whiteland has had just had a phenomenal year to this point. To be honest, at one point ranked number one uh, in five A, and so. Um, you know, they're, you know, Franklin's playing Decatur Central tonight. Uh, you know how good that's going to be. And so these are teams, uh, quite frankly, uh, they're, they're, they're different in, in certain ways. I mean, it's a Wyland team that's been really, really solid defensively all year long. Greenwood uh, is uh, not playing uh, at the level that these other teams I mentioned are, but they're still very, very capable. And so, you know, Whiteland uh, wins the uh, championship with Mooresville uh, winning last week. They guaranteed Whiteland the uh, share of the uh, Mid-State Conference tur- uh, championship. And so, uh, again, these are these are all teams capable of making deep runs in their respective classes in the tournament. So, uh, it's a big, big night, a great night for the conference. You know, it's it's funny too um, that that conference has just become consistently more talented and a lot of folks would always point to well you know look at the teams you know that that jumped out of you know a former conference and got into it but this is really about those that have been in this conference 
uh, for a long time that are historically speaking are from that conference. That's where football wise, the bar has been raised. And that that to me is really impressive because, I mean, you're kind of stirring the echoes in Whiteland with the seven and one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, great moments really across the board, Bob, since they have that new school in Franklin. Now you raise those expectations and those expectations win loss wise again across the board in sports are being met in Franklin. And then, you know, you, you look at what's been going on in Mooresville in a lot of sports as well. Just a great deal of success with those that have been in that conference for a while. Oh, I couldn't agree more, John. I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it's great to see a conference like that that has the history it has uh, have this resurgence, so to speak. You know, you know, I, I, everyone knows I've lived in Franklin since I went to college and, and never left. And uh, Chris Call has done a fantastic job uh, with the Cubs. Uh, they're legit. He's a tremendous coach. He's already won a championship at Tri-West. And so everyone knows his pedigree. And, and I think in large part, as a former coach, I, I look at this as a coach's league where, you know, Mike Gillen is a surefire Hall of Famer at, at Mooresville, uh, and, and uh, he has had success everywhere he's been, at Indian Creek, at Decatur, now at Mooresville. Uh, and you look at, at the job um, it, that's been done at, at Whiteland. Uh, it's just amazing what these coaches have been able to do. Darren Fisher has just done a fantastic job. And you just go down the list, and you're talking about – resurrecting programs, I think you start yeah. with the guys who are making those decisions, and they've really legitimately turned this into one of the best conferences in the state. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talks got you covered later on tonight. Of course, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, CarX.com for that location nearest you. Anything else we haven't discussed you're going to bring up on the big show, Bob, later on tonight? Tournament starts next week, John. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy talk. Just, just so you know, uh, this wraps up the regular season. So, you know, Paul Condor and I were able to, to get through the pairing show and get everybody ready to go. And so, you know, uh, once you finish tonight, now you're obviously looking forward to next Friday night for round one. Incredible. Wasn't just like last week when we said, wow, here, <laughs> the high school football season starting. Here we go. Well, which means not far away is basketball. So, yeah, it's all going fast. No, don't. You're, you're trying to catch me with a little bit of hoop right here. I can't. I, I love the football aspect of it, no right. doubt. But, man, I'm, I am itching to see some hoop, both uh, collegiately and at the, uh, at the high school level. Hey, by the way, I got to give a shout-out because I know that you're of the uh, Franklin, Indiana, and Franklin College, and my girl, Jesse Johnson, taking over the women's program down at Franklin College, Bob. How about Very that? Very exciting move. I think everybody's clearly you know, optimistic, uh, unbelievably excited about that. And so, um, you know, uh, we're having a lot of success here in, in Franklin and, and in Johnson County. John, it's a fun time to be here, quite frankly, sports-wise. And also because I just I whip her dad's ass all the time in basketball, <laughs> too, all the time. Well, uh, that goes without saying, John. Whomever you competed against, I'm sure you they, they caught the, uh, the bad end of it. All right, buddy. Hey, have a great tonight, tomorrow night on the air on Indiana Sports Talk. And uh, we'll catch you again next week when the one and done is officially underway, Bob. Appreciate you. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, the high school football preview.